Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 183. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Alexander23. The American singer and songwriter recently released his debut record, Aftershock. In today's episode, we're speaking with Alexander23 about why he took his time with this record, what touring with John Mayer is like, and whether he prefers producing to songwriting. Here we go. Our guest today is an American-born singer, songwriter and producer. Having risen to fame over the last three years with two of his own EPs, plus producing music for artists like Olivia Rodrigo, last month saw the release of his brilliant debut record entitled Aftershock. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Alexander23. Good morning, sir. How are we? Doing great. How about you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> My absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. You you are currently in the country at the moment. You're in Australia. Uh, firstly, welcome. How is it? Thank you so much. It's great. I'm I'm loving it. Uh, this was one of the last places I was before COVID. And I remember uh, saying to my manager, this place is great. We should come back here this year. And obviously that did not work out. So it was very <laughs> nice to be here almost three years later. Uh, I'm just as excited. It took a little bit more time, but I believe that there are quite a few people here um, who are excited to see you. You are in town playing some shows with um, AJR. How are those shows going? How are the Australian crowds um, welcoming you back? They uh, have been incredible. Uh, I feel like it's really cool because I'm used to in the States when it's like a rowdy crowd, it's always super fun. But these crowds have been both rowdy and respectful, which is the pairing that is uh, it's rarely seen in the touring world. And uh, it's very appreciated, you know, super excitable, but also like super uh, in line with the intimate moments as well. And that's very, I'm very glad to hear that. I, I believe us uh, us in Australia, we do like to party and celebrate music, but also to be respectful as well. So I'm glad to yeah. hear that that is. Well, I've seen that. I've seen that so far. So it's been great. <laughs> um, you are in town, as I mentioned, you're touring, but uh, you're in town in support of your brand new record, Aftershock. It is out now. Congratulations, mate, because this album is, it's gorgeous. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very happy you feel that way. No, no. Um, it. I know that there was, I think, an EP in 2019 and 2021. And so we've, fans have been waiting with bated breath for this record for a while, but I know you wanted to take a bit more time to make sure that it was right. How important was it for you to make sure that you had every last little minor thing on this record correct? Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievably important. Um, 
I grew up kind of like devouring albums. You know, that was like my favorite form of listening to stuff. So I was really important to me if I was going to decide to do an album, which I decided I was going to do, I wanted to do it the right way. And to me, the right way is, is, you know, just really putting it under the microscope and making sure that everything adds up. 100%. This record seems to be touching on, seems to be, and I say this respectfully, it seems to be touching on a lot of heartbreak, a lot of uh, issues close to the chest. I believe there's um, one or two songs that kind of deal with grief as well. How did you find well, how do you as a songwriter find opening up and allowing those emotions and those feelings to come out while also still being able to, I guess, hold on to some of those things yourself and retain some level of privacy when it comes to those kind of moments? Yeah, I'd say from the uh, privacy aspect, it's still kind of a balance that I'm getting comfortable with. I think uh, I shared more on this record than I ever have and I'm I'm really you know proud of the parts that make me a little bit uncomfortable um yeah it's it's a strange it's a strange balance to say the least but it's something I'm kind of learning with and evolving with you know continually 100% the the record uh sonically is is beautiful as well I think that yourself and uh Dan Dan Nigro who um you co-produced the record with I don't know what the the phrase is. I believe that there should be a term or there might be a term and I'm just unaware. It almost kind of seems like there's quite a few tracks where you build up this beautiful wall of sound. It's incredible that the sound and the sonics almost towering over you, but the vocals never seem to be engulfed by it. They seem to still be front forward. It never kind of collapses on one another. It's, it's, it's actually a beautiful like balancing act. Um, when you and Dan started the record, was there, I guess, a discussion on how you wanted the sonics of this record to be, what you wanted it to sound like and what you wanted to take it? Um, I think definitely a little bit of a discussion, but it was definitely something we found kind of along the way. Um, it's funny you say that because I think one of the, the things we did discuss before was like, I want this to be a pop album. And I don't even really mean that as like more of a, as like a, genre thing because i feel like so much of it isn't really straight ahead pop but more in that like it is vocals first it is song first you know it's important for us to really experiment with production and take our time and really like you know build up these walls of sounds break them down do all that stuff but uh nothing should kind of step on on the song and so i'm very happy that it, you perceived it that way I, I again i feel that the record is um is brilliant the the sonics it kind of reminded me of i know that um where do we we spoke about the records behind me when we were going to record mm -hmm. um it reminded me of early kind of 2000s pop rock in a way but not as in like a pop rock kind of sound it is pop but it's vocals first it's songwriter first instead of just kind of being your um repetitive bubblegum pop and again there's nothing wrong with that either but mm -hmm. It definitely had that feeling of like good classic songwriting in, I guess, as, as an important measure in the, in the album. Um, yeah, thanks. I, like, I, I, I consider my, like, I don't know, quote unquote superpower for lack of a better word as a artist is like that, the songwriting part for me, you know, I think is like what I'm best at. And, and so kind of like you said, and I was saying before, it's, it's really, really important to me to have the song kind of lead the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
to go off what you're saying before, like as far as like influences for the album, like early 2000s rock was a huge influence. I kind of went back and really rediscovered a lot of the things I listened to as a kid um, and just fell in love with that all over again. And it was very informative of like, you know, the, a lot of the production decisions, I think. 100%. What were, what were some of those albums that you went back and revisited? Yeah. I mean, one of them being right to your left, right above your shoulder, heavier things. I mean, just like, uh, a lot of early John stuff, a lot of late John stuff too, all of his stuff, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Weezer, New Radicals, um, just like great songs, you know, cool musical motifs and kind of the balance, the delicate balance between those two things. Of course. Um, I do want to touch on, and I was going to kind of leave it to a little bit later, but we are talking about heavier things. I know that you, um, were previously earlier this year, sorry, touring with John Mayer in the States, I believe for his sub rock tour. Um, mm-hmm. as, as a young man in the early two thousands, uh, John Mayer was the reason I picked up a guitar and there's probably more vinyl of his behind me that we won't get into. Um, what was that experience like for you? And I, I think, where was it? There was one show where I saw you guys were able to actually play a Tears for Fears cover together. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, yeah. He hopped on stage for uh, the second to last show, which was obviously a a clear highlight of the entire tour <laughs> uh, for me. And then to also get that to play Everybody Wants With The World, which is one of my favorite songs ever, um, was amazing. Um, and has since introduced me to the Tears for Fears guys, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> it was unbelievable. I mean, like the guy is just, he is as accomplished as you could possibly be in in the realm that I, you know, both respect and adore the most. And so it was, it was just a masterclass every night of um, not only, you know, how to play, but a reminder of how great the songs are. And, and speaking of letting songs lead the way, like to be that good of a guitar player and weave in, you know, that many unbelievable guitar moments and still have the songs lead the way is something that is incredibly difficult to do. And he seems to do it at least externally with ease. So it was, uh, inspiring to say the least. And it was the coolest experience of my life to say the most, I guess. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, can we expect some more guitar forward songs coming from you after this kind of tour that are being written in the background at the moment? Yeah. Hold on one second. I'm getting a call. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's the studio phone. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. I mean, like I think being on tour with John really made me like 
fall in love with guitar all over again. Uh, like I would be like getting on the bus after shows, you know, like practicing scales, you know, <laughs> it was just so cliche, <laughs> but like it really like you think you're good until you see people who you think are good. And then it really pushes you to really actually get good. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that there was even that experience for you to have, to be able to, one, it's always nice to have that little bit of extra uh, drive or momentum put behind us, but it is um, also, if you're able to do that while enjoying someone uh, as prolific as John Mayer, that's always, always nice. Um, yeah. As I mentioned before, you did co-produce the album for some people who might not know as well as a brilliant songwriter, you're also a Grammy nominated producer. The other record we can see behind me, Olivia mm-hmm. Rodrigo, you co-produced good for you, which a mammoth track. Um, I guess for you as a songwriter and a producer, do you have a preference in what you enjoy more or what you kind of find more meticulous, whatever it may be? Yeah. To me, they're so similar and they're so different simultaneously. Um, I have come to almost rely on both of them for different things. I think my music, I rely on emotionally to kind of sort through different things uh, as I have kind of since I was a kid, um, working on other people's music. I mean, working with someone like Olivia and Dan, they, they make it easy, obviously, because they're just so damn good. Um, it kind of fulfills this more like childlike wonder and obsession with music where it's so much less tied up with my identity and I can more just like, uh, just enjoy it. It's, it's, it's more enjoyable in a strange way. If I could only do one, I think I would make my own music, but I'm very grateful to have both and I enjoy them. I think equally. That's awesome to hear. Um, Alex, I was hoping you might be able to, Maybe pull back the curtain on one of your songs. I think um, having a listen to the album Aftershock a few times, the clear, maybe not clear favourite, there's a few that I kind of kept coming back to, but one that I believe is my favourite, I think it's also the favourite of Maisie Peters, is um, mm. Cosplay, which is a oh, brilliantly okay. written track. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I sent the album early to Maisie and I remember her liking that one. <laughs> it's awesome. a gorgeous track, yeah. Um, would you be able to, I guess, give us a little bit of a behind the scenes or where that song kind of began or stemmed from? For sure. Um, I had the album pretty much done. Uh, I had enough songs for it and I felt like I was just missing like one more like song. I felt like I could, you know, beat one song. And so I called Jeremy Zucker, who's one of my best friends. He lives like five minutes away from me in LA. And I was like, do you want to come over? Uh, let's try and like beat a song. Let's just make something. Let's just have fun. It doesn't matter. Like the album's done, you know, there's no pressure. Let's just have fun and make a song. And, um, he just came over, we started jamming and, and it honestly happened fairly quick, which is really nice because a lot of songs do not happen quick at all. In fact, they fight back for days or weeks or sometimes months and, and other times years. Uh, and we just kind of talked about the shared experience of like, you know, meeting someone new and, being like, I can't tell if like we are in love or if like, this is the biggest mistake ever. And those two, I think feel the same in the beginning. Um, and even more specifically, like, is this like real? Like, are we like really enjoying each other's presence or are we like seeing, um, stuff in each other that we have had in previous relationships and just grabbing onto that, which I think can be a, a big trap 
you know, it can obviously work out, but it can be a trap. Um, and then musically, I think we were both kind of in the same headspace of like, let's make this rock, you know, let's make this fun. And uh, when I play live with my band, it, it's the first song we do most of the time because it just it just feels good. And um, John Mayer talks about this a lot of just like parts need to not only sound good, but they need to feel good in your hands. And that song just kind of like feels good in my hands when I play it. It is an interesting kind of way to, I guess, approach the the measure of a song. Like if it does feel good, have you, mm-hmm. I guess, gone back and retroactively looking at your body of work like if i guess are there songs now that you play and that you're like yeah this does feel good or that you not rethink but maybe have yeah re re configured yeah it's funny you say that because i'm trying to kind of shift my perspective i feel like for so long i've judged my music based on what i'm impressed by like where i perceive like oh this song is better than i am as a songwriter that's kind of been like the bar for me for so long um, which I think helped me improve and helped me get more comfortable as a songwriter, having that mindset. But now I'm trying to really shift my perspective more to like more of just like a, in a vacuum, how much do I enjoy listening to this? And cosplay, I enjoy listening to. Like it is a it is an enjoyable experience, both like sonically and emotionally. And I think moving forward, that's more like the litmus test that I will be imposing on myself. That's very fair. I think that's a small way to do it. Um <laughs> Alex, uh, usually we would ask our guests what they're currently listening to, if there's anything that's kind of uh, on high rotation for yourself at the moment. Um, yeah, it's actually right above your head, Maggie Rogers' Surrender. Brilliant is that record. What it is? Yes, yes, it is, yeah. Okay, it's a little small on my screen, but I, I thought it was that. Um, yeah, Maggie's a friend and a huge inspiration for me as a, you know artist and a songwriter. And the way she approaches her art, I think, is brilliant. And I think the art she makes is brilliant. And I've been listening to that um, album quite a bit. I was just listening on the flight here. <laughs> well, I would have to like agree, as as you can see. I think it is mm-hmm. a brilliant record. It's a very solid choice from yourself. Um, but again, going to reiterate your album, Aftershock, uh, brilliant, brilliant record. It is out now. We'll make sure that we put it in the show notes for everyone who's listening to this podcast. Um, but Alexander23, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you got to, after this, send me your address because I want to send you one of my vinyls too. We got to add that to your collection. 100%. I appreciate that very much. (laughs) Thank you, Simon. Appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time, man. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Alexander23 for his time. Aftershock is out now and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the record. We also want to give a huge shout out to Laura and Sam at Universal Music Australia for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when your episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning. We now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the player's profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. 
Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.